I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 401. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. It's not that often that our contemporary Christian music leads us to seemingly obscure areas of Scripture. Remember, I don't explain the song or apply the song or give the backstory to the song all that often. I use the song to springboard into scripture. So when several listeners suggested Rattle by Elevation Worship, I couldn't help but to be drawn into the Old Testament to explore areas of scripture you may not look at that often. But before we jump in, let's listen. phrase, just ask the man who was thrown on the bones of Elisha if there's anything that he can't do, meaning God, capital he. Do you know that account? It's a short one. Let's go ahead and read it together. It takes us to the book of 2 Kings in the Old Testament to a scene that happened sometime after Elisha's death. How do I know? Well, it refers to Elisha's bones. Of course, bones rattling and miraculous resurrection power is the overall theme of the song. And in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20, it says, So Elisha died and they buried him. Period. Space. I don't know how much time is in between the period and the next word. Now bands of Moabites happens, but long enough for the bones to be bones and not flesh. But it says, Now bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. And as a man was being buried, behold, a marauding band was seen, and the man was thrown into the grave of Elisha. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. Now, I have, to, I have something I need to admit to you. I struggled this week. I did the thing I always do. I went back to the beginning of Elisha's ministry, and I read it in context. But I want to let you know the struggle really is real. I know it's real to you. You know it's real to you. And I just want you to know that it's real to me too. (laughs) Sometimes we read scripture and we know we aren't supposed to start with us. In other words, I'm not supposed to read this account and say, so God, what does that mean for me? And I definitely want you to remove from your dialogue, what does that mean to me? As if scripture can mean anything you want it to, depending upon your thoughts on the matter or your current circumstances. To clarify, you may understand its truths from fresh perspectives and interpret its application in new ways, but the truth of Scripture was always there. As we engage with God's holy text, we need to yearn for what is unseen, not what is unspoken. 
So I'm comfortable in my current pattern of not starting with me. But I have to admit, I still ask the Lord, what am I supposed to do with this? I read this account in context of what happened before and what happened right after. And when you read it for yourself, you'll see, not so shockingly, that it's all about kings and what they said and what they did. That's the title of the the book, Kings, Second Kings, right? Uh, But this account is to demonstrate something, and I just wasn't sure what. So I backed up. I backed up to read more about Elisha. Uh, That's actually taking the bite of exploring a topic. And BITE, B-I-T-E, if you're a new listener, is an acronym that stands for Bible Interaction Tool Exercise. And these are just the exercises I use to interact with God's Word. Getting me from merely reading the text to exploring it and, well, like I said, interacting with it. But I backed up to the ministry of Elisha. Although I could have backed up even further to discover when Elisha was first mentioned in scripture, but I backed up to 2 Kings chapter 1 to read in context, my favorite bite. And in this case, I paired it with the bite of read and keep on reading. And it's easy to do this week because Elisha's ministry career is chronicled over several chapters, concluding in chapter 13, as we just read, at his death. And so his personal ministry began at the end of the ministry of his mentor and spiritual father, Elijah, E-L-I-J-A-H, as opposed to Elisha, E-L-I-S-H-A. Okay, and Elijah's ministry did not end with his death, and it didn't end in public shame. It ended with chariots of fire, literal chariots of fire. I wish I could cue the the soundtrack music. But in 2 Kings chapter 2, we're told that the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind. And this doesn't seem to be a secret to Elijah, to Elisha, or to any of the disciples of Elijah, who are often referred to as sons of the prophets, depending on what version you're reading. But Elijah keeps trying to get away from Elijah, Elisha for some reason. Or at least leave him behind, and Elisha's going to have none of it. And finally, in verse 9, we read this. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You've asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. (laughs) Talk about a dramatic scene. So that's the beginning of his ministry. The end of his ministry is no less dramatic, right? Where he's already dead and still uh, has resurrection power in his bones. But anyway, the hits keep on coming. If we keep reading in verse 13, it says, He took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, the water parted to one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. All right. Now, you remember the parting of the Red Sea, right? When all of the enslaved Hebrew people were rescued from the Egyptians and they walked across on dry land, wall of water on the right and wall of water on the left. You you can read all about it in Exodus 14. Maybe you remember that they walked across on dry ground again after the wandering in the desert for 40 years. When the Israelites were finally to enter the promised land, they came up to the Jordan River, this same river. And it was at such a high flood stage that it was overflowing its banks. 
And God once again parted the waters. You can read all about that in Joshua chapter 3 and 4. But did you know that the waters of the Jordan were parted twice again? Once when Elijah parted the waters and walked to the other side, and here where we just read, Elisha parted the waters after picking up the mantle, literally and figuratively, and he makes his way back to the other side. And so when we keep reading, we see that Elisha is staying in Jericho when in verse 19 we read this, the men of the city said to Elisha, behold, the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the land is unfruitful. And he said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. This is Elisha. So they brought it to him. Then he went to the spring of water and threw salt in it and said, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water from now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been healed to this day, according to the word that Elisha spoke. Amazing. So then I kept reading and I saw miracle after miracle that Elisha performed. In fact, when he asked for a double portion of the spirit of Elijah, he got it. I have seen lists of references that scripture attributes 14 miracles to Elijah and 28 to Elisha. So he got it, double portion. But in all my reading, I failed this week. (laughs) I failed to be patient and I failed to sit in the details of scripture. I failed to take the bites of meditating and remember the characters described um, in scripture are real. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't always take the same bites every week. You know that. But I sensed a frustration within me that wanted to get to the bottom of all this. And I just kept saying, I don't get it. I don't get why this was included or why that was included. And and I was frustrated. So if you're listening and you're saying, me too, (laughs) I have felt that frustration as I engage with scripture. I want to encourage you to press through the messy middle. Keep reading. Keep engaging, keep asking questions because mining is hard work. It's backbreaking work. The treasure we are mining for in scripture is life changing though, and it's worth it. So where did I feel frustrated? Uh, you know, am I frustrated when I read accounts of of uh, Elisha doing glorious things, kind things, uh, miraculous things, that things with mercy? No, I get frustrated when I read accounts like this. In 2 Kings chapter 2, Right after he picks up the mantle of Elijah, right after he strikes the water of the Jordan, right after he walks through on dry ground, right after he turns the unclean water for an entire city clean, this happens. In verse 23, it says, he went up from there to Bethel and while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him saying, go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. And he turned around and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. Another version says mauled them. From there, he went on to Mount Carmel. And from there, he returned to Samaria. Like, what? (laughs) And I asked the same question that I asked when I read the account of the dead guy coming back to life after touching the bones of Elisha. Why is this in here? What am I supposed to do with this? Is this prescriptive or descriptive? Meaning, does this give me permission to curse people that make fun of me or give my podcast bad reviews? Or is this a description of a regular guy responding in an inappropriate way, even though the power of God was obviously upon him? You know, after all, James does 
describe us. He reminds us that the honored prophets of old were human, just like us. They had a nature, just like us. James 5, 17 says, Elijah, so Elisha's mentor, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Now, in context, James is making the point that our prayers matter and that they change things. But tucked into that teaching is the reminder that no matter how powerful the prophet, he's just a guy with a nature like ours, meaning he might lose his cool on a bunch of ornery kids. (laughs) I still don't know if that's the truth I'm supposed to take away from it. And I tell you all of this just to keep it real. There will be wrestling. But as I was finally able to discover near the end of this week, (laughs) it will be worth it. So what did I do in addition to the wrestling? I took a bite. I always take each week. And I want to remind you of it here. I don't always say it. I prayed. I asked God to show me what was unseen. And I encourage you as you approach scripture to always do the same. It is a prayer that he wants to answer. Now, the answer to that prayer came in the form of an outside resource that I'm going to share with you in a minute. But first, some background. The role of the prophets play a crucial role um, in the history of Israel. And the accounts that we read in 2 Kings, if I haven't dissuaded you from reading (laughs) with all my brutal honesty, I hope I have not. But the accounts of Elisha's miracles that we encounter in 2 Kings are all part of a grand story that God is telling through his word. And I talked about types of Christ in episode 378, and Elisha is a type of Christ. Now, to clarify, a type in scripture is a person or thing in the Old Testament that foreshadows a person or thing in the New Testament. And Elisha is a type of Christ. And after all my wrestling, I came across an amazing article. I'm going to go ahead and link to it in the show notes. uh, MichelleNizat.com forward slash 401. Or if you are a current email subscriber, it's in your inbox. Um, I'm going to link to the article in the show notes that made muddling through my frustration all worth it. And uh, Dr. Bruce Waltke, the author of this article, helped define my struggle when he said this. He said, when what Augustine once said of the Gospel of John, shallow enough for a child not to drown, yet deep enough for an elephant to swim, is applicable to all scripture. And I was staying in the shallows and I was splashing around in some pretty amazing accounts. And it's worth it. I mean, it's it's fun to read the art, the read the miracles and to see um, the stories and how people responded and how Elisha responded. Some of them are so fantastical. We might even be tempted to believe that they're fictional stories, not reality. But Dr. Walke led me into deeper waters when he revealed the links between these amazing stories to similar occurrences in the life of Christ. I'm going to share a few of the lengthy list that he details in his article, but I'm going to share a few with you here. First of all, both Elisha and Jesus received the spirit on the other side of the Jordan. It's just so neat to me to think that this is the same river, right? This is the same river that that these things are happening. But we read the account of Elisha getting the mantle from Elijah. And verse 15 adds, Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Now the spirit of Elijah is the spirit of God. And it also came to rest on Jesus at the Jordan River too. And you can read all about that in the Gospels. So that's the first one. Another one, both Elisha and Jesus are surrounded by more disciples than their predecessors. 
So as you read accounts of Elisha, you see that there are more sons of prophets surrounding him. And those are the disciples uh, that, that, would, that were surrounding him. But just like Jesus gained more disciples than John the Baptist, Elisha seemed to have more disciples, more sons of prophets than Elijah. All right, how about another one? Both Elisha and Jesus cleanse lepers. You can read all about Elisha and Naaman in 2 Kings 5. It's a really great miracle story. And we see Jesus healing lepers in the gospel accounts as well. Okay, another one. Both Elisha and Jesus are itinerant miracle workers. Read all of the accounts carefully. You're going to see that both men move around a lot. They're here and there and everywhere, working miracles all over the place. And they're, you know, going to this place and returning from that place and going back. And you can really see that parallel as you um, read stories of Jesus and read stories and accounts of Elisha. All right. Both Elisha and Jesus reverse death by raising dead sons and restoring them to their mothers. <laughs> you do not want to miss the accounts in Second Kings 4 or in Luke chapter 7. Go read those for yourself. All right. Uh, Both men have had a covetous disciple. So Elisha's disciple, Gehazi, let greed get the best of him, just like Jesus's disciple, Judas. That was really an interesting link that I had not considered. And then we'll end where we started, in the tomb of Elisha. Both Jesus Jesus and Elisha end their lives in a life-giving tomb from which people flee. (laughs) Go read both stories. You'll see people running from uh, each of their tombs. It's an interesting link as well. Now, we have even more to explore and ponder. Uh, You know, maybe never come to the end of it, right? So as as something new is revealed, a, a piece of unseen is revealed, it gives you a new Uh, entrance into scripture where you can go explore even more. Now, Dr. Waltke comes to some conclusions for us as well. You know, honestly, my goal for you is to get into scripture and to read it for yourself. I generally don't focus on the application of what we're reading. I pray that you are sitting under a pastor and learning all about application and you're in small groups and in Bible studies and things like that. I just want you to have the best foundation possible by knowing what scripture says for yourself. But I realize that sometimes we just need to know why. Why do I need to know this? What is here that I just cannot see? And Dr. Waltke reminds me that not only is Elisha a type of Christ, but he's also a type of disciple. And we didn't get into this on the podcast, but he leaves his father and mother behind. He forsakes everything to be a disciple of Elijah, just like we do to be a disciple of Christ. Elisha becomes like his master, just like we are to be recognizable disciples of Christ. We are to become like Christ. He did greater works than Elijah, just like Jesus declared that we would do. John 14, 12 says, truly, I say, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the father. Um, Elisha brings life to those who stay close in a culture of death. Elisha develops disciples as we've been called to by Christ himself. You know, in Matthew 28, it says, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So just as Elisha develops disciples, we are called to develop disciples as well. 
So what's next? Well, read the details of the life and ministry of Elisha for yourself in 2 Kings. You can hop back to 1 Kings chapter 19 to read about when Elisha was called to follow the prophet of Elijah. But pray and ask God to show you things previously unseen to you in these scriptures. Meditate on the details of the stories. Feel free to read and keep on reading sections of scripture that you may never have read before or maybe has, has it's been a while. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me directly, michelle at michellenizat.com. I am on social media at michellenizat on Twitter or Instagram. Michelle L. Nizat is my public page on Facebook, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. Head over to newreleasetoday.com to check out some of their resources. And if you have not joined the 30-Day Music Challenge yet, I highly recommend it. It's just a challenge, personal challenge, to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. You're never too late to jump in. Just submit your name and email address to michellenizat.com forward slash 30-Day Challenge and you're in. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers to my website, people like Samantha from Tennessee, Maez from Zambia, Janatsu from Washington, and Krista from Florida. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites. This is a great place to start. And as I mentioned, you get a weekly email with all of the links to all of the resources that I use to prepare for the podcast, as well as the ones that I mention on the podcast. I take notes for you just in case you are listening to the podcast while walking or driving or washing dishes or doing something else in a, in a place that you can't take notes. So that's basically what that Monday morning show notes recap email is for you. And then sometimes I make extra uh, resources for particular podcast episodes and you'll have first dibs on those. All of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellenizat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review for the podcast in iTunes? This encourages me, of course, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like H-A-H-1-D lover who writes, love this. I love how she did it by explaining popular Christian songs and how she teaches the Bible verses as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave a review. I really appreciate it. And I do have a new tool to help you. If you've never left a review yet, go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song and uh, follow the links there. And of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellenizat.com through iTunes or the Apple podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using All Together by Mike Donahue to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellenizat.com forward slash 401. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.